Mahoney, Cade, Mark Fast, Chats in the Park, Last Mud, that shoot, Ha Hogan, Ha Hogan, Trish Vecklentura, A Shah, A Joe Keeve, Cade, Marhus, Oh, Hurrah in the Moon, Hurrah for Florida, August Boy to fight it, I get Billy O'Keefe. Natasa Hiloha, Yinche, Oh, fuck, Edeke, Nirawada Hine, Kaja Yenavarish, Erin Tajeri, Nishamroga, Tajeri! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name is Jake Botel, and I am your host, as per the usual. Off the top there, you heard the uh, some goals from the All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship, uh, specifically, first off the top was uh, a goal for Bally Gunner, who are one half of the All-Ireland uh, Senior Club Hurling Championship final match this weekend. That was a goal for them in their semi-final win against Slot Neal. And the second goal you heard uh, via the Hurley of TJ Reid, Kilkenny champion, uh, TJ Reid, that goal scored literally in the final seconds of uh, injury time to lead Ballyhale Shamrocks from Kilkenny uh, to a one-point victory over, I believe it was over St. Thomas's, yes, St. Thomas's of Galway, um, Ballyhale Shamrocks making up the other half of the all-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship this weekend uh, to be played early Sunday morning for us, 2 a.m. Sunday morning, uh, 3 p.m. on Saturday the 12th in Ireland. Um, we're going to get to that. We're going to preview that game. And, like, I can't say that I... You know, have a deep knowledge of the squads and the players. But what I'm going to do, I, I'm pumped to watch this game. I'm going to go back now that I have the GAA Go pass. GAA Go should be giving me a bloody sponsorship here. I'm plugging it on every hurling show that I've um, that I'm doing. Um, so GAA Go is basically the app slash website. You buy a membership and you can watch all the broadcast games um, for the hurling and the Gaelic football and all those sorts of things. So I can't wait. I'm going to watch uh, the All-Ireland Club uh, Senior Club Hurling Championship this weekend between Ballygunner of Waterford and Ballyhale Shamrocks of Kilkenny. Ballyhale going for their third All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship in a row and their eighth all-time Ballygunner, their first ever appearance on the big stage uh, since they were founded in 1954. So a real like David and Goliath type matchup to be enjoyed there. So we'll, we'll preview all that, but want to start with 
some more hurling here. Um, well, before we get into the hurling, just advice, if, you, if you're a regular listener but you haven't had a listen yet, recorded a great episode um, a couple of days ago with Jared Hargraves, uh, an old buddy of mine who is a filmmaker and is now training uh, to be a pro wrestler down in Melbourne and really cool um, interview with Jared. He's a, you know, he's a cool dude and has some really interesting thoughts about the journey and some insights into, you know, the training and the process and the craft and just a really inspiring chat. Felt lucky to be able to sit down with him for sort of half an hour, 40 minutes and and talk about his drive and motivation. And it sort of made me realize um, I feel really fortunate to talk to these people who are on a path of their own because it keeps me motivated and inspired to keep forging the path that I'm on. Uh, as I mentioned a few, well, maybe a week ago, week and a half ago on the audio journal uh, episode that I did, and I'll, I'll try and do another one of those soon, um, that you know, my plan is to be doing this for a living within two years. Don't know if that's overly ambitious, could be, uh, but I don't know. We set the goal and we strive for it, and we'll, we'll see what happens along the way. But let's get into it. The National Hurling League started last week. This is the county, the inter-county uh, hurling league. Uh, we're focusing mainly on Division One, Group A, Group B. Um, not as a diss to the other teams, but I've only got sort of so much time, and I can only watch so many games. And a lot of those, the the lower division games, aren't screened even on GAA Go. So. I can only sort of cover what I can cover and I prefer to cover stuff that I can actually watch rather than just, um, I guess, talking out of my ass about things that I haven't seen, even though I'll be doing a little bit of that um, in the the <laughs> All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship preview uh, a little later. But let's start off. Uh, so we had round one last week um, and I'll just get you up to date with, with the current standing. So in Division 1 Group A, You've got, we had Cork defeat Clare, 230 to 221. We had Wexford um, upset the reigning All-Ireland champions Limerick, 111 to 11 points. And we had Galway trounce Offaly, 422 to 17 points. So that left Galway on top of the Group A table on two points. Cork in second with two points. Wexford in third with two points. And Limerick, Clare and Offaly all on Zero. So Division One Group B, we had Leash losing a close one to Tipperary. Uh, Leash going down one fourteen to twenty one points for Tipperary. It was Jason Ford for Tip, uh, scoring eleven points on his own. Uh, the other games were Kilkenny just getting past a plucky and courageous Antrim at Nolan Park, uh, two fifteen to three. Nine Antrim smacking in three goals um, of their own. Also had Dublin tying with Waterford, twenty-one points for Dublin, two fifteen to Waterford. So a tie there at Parnell Park. A decent result for Dublin. Um, probably would have liked to come away with the win, but uh, still a good result building on their uh, preseason cup win and and a decent campaign in the 
uh, Senior Hurling Championship last year. So that left Division 1 Group B with Tipperary and Kilkenny locked on two points each at the top of the table. Then you had Dublin and Waterford um, locked on one point each and Antrim and Leash on zero points each. So that Group B, like quite a close run group and Antrim and Leash both would have felt like they could have come away with a result in week one if some things had have gone the other way. Um, so that gets us to this week's games. We've got an absolute glut of hurling to watch uh, on GAA Go and I'm not sure where, you know, you can, I mean, if you're in Ireland watching, you can just, you know, probably get along to a game um, or, you know, uh, uh, or flick it on the telly. Um, but for those of us in Australia, those of us in the US, you'll have to scour um, your TV channels, I guess, your, you know, paid per view, your Fox Sports, your whatever. You'll have to have a look and see if any of those cover it or get yourself a GAA Go Pass, which uh, ran me about 190 bucks for the year. But for the amount of hurling I'm planning on watching, well worth it. So, um, we start with, on Saturday, and this is Irish, I'll, I'll give both the Irish listed times and dates and then the Australian ones um, for those who are interested. And I'm sure US listeners can sort of probably suss it out from there. So, first up, uh, on Saturday the 12th, Irish times, uh, we have at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 a.m. Sunday morning for us here in Australia, Antrim going up against Dublin. Could be an absolute cracker of a curtain raiser here. As I said, with Antrim smashing in three goals against Kilkenny. Uh, Kilkenny, obviously, who are a powerhouse of hurling. Uh, Dublin having gritted out and you know powered their way to a tie against a pretty uh, highly fancied Waterford team, um, mainly off the back of uh, a great performance from, just trying to find his name, it was Bennett um, for Dublin. I believe. No, no, it was Bennett for Waterford. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Stephen Bennett that scored two goals, 10 on his own for, for Waterford. Um, so the first game of Saturday slash early Sunday for us, Antrim traveling, uh, sorry, hosting Dublin. As I said, that should be a cracker of a game given the performances of both teams uh, last week. Antrim only put up the nine uh, single points, but they put in three goals. So, um, and, and conversely, Dublin couldn't get a goal, but they put up 21 points. So going to be an interesting matchup there. Then at seven o'clock that evening in Ireland, which is 6am Sunday morning for us, that might be one that I can get up and, and have a look at live even. Uh, Limerick and Galway. Galway absolutely hammered awfully in week one, as we said, uh, 4.22. Uh, putting up 422 themselves, which is, you know, a whopping um, 34 points. Taking on a Limerick team that went to Wexford. And, you know, we discussed on the last episode, Limerick coming off the back of a second consecutive All-Ireland Championship uh, victory, their third in four years. Probably not as psyched up and uh, motivated for the for the for the league as a team like Wexford, who are under a new management, uh, a, a new coach, all those sorts of things. But still, Limerick only put up eleven points for the game, uh, which was, uh, and their accuracy was left a lot to be desired. They missed a lot of shots, 
that you would normally back them to get with ease. So I think you'll find that we might see a much more refocused uh, Limerick team, but then you've got a Galway team that are coming in hot. So it'll just depend really how much, like most of these league games, how much each team is wanting to get out of it um, from a motivational standpoint. I think Limerick will have a point to prove. I think we'll see them look a lot sharper uh, than, than week one. And, you know, Galway, you're not playing awfully here. So I think it could be a decent game. I think Limerick, um, I mean, everyone's going to get, sorry, Limerick is going to get everyone's best shot. That's what happens when you're the reigning champs. So Galway, of course, are going to want to go and beat Limerick and leave them with two losses after two games. Limerick, though, I think are going to look a little hungrier uh, in week two than they did in week one. So uh, I, I would look for an improvement, particularly in the point scoring department for Limerick. Sunday, 13th. Um, there's another four games on, three of them televised uh, on GAA Go. So we've got at 1.45 in the afternoon, Irish time, which is 12.45 a.m. for us, uh, in Australia on Monday morning, we have Clare 0-1 taking on Wexford, who are 1-0, as we talked about Wexford with that um, rousing victory over the reigning All-Ireland champs Limerick last week. Clare copped an absolute hammering uh, to Cork, who were really out with a point to prove, I think, after losing the All-Ireland Championship last uh, year. Uh, they had a lot to prove, and they really put it on Claire. So I think you'll you, you'd be expecting to see probably an improved effort here uh, from Claire in this game, given the sort of loss that they took to Cork last week. I think Wexford though are are going to remain hungry. I think when you you know have a new coach in charge, um, and you know you're implementing a new system and all of those things, you're trying to build something ahead of the championship. I think Wexford will be using this league, you know, as a real run-in um, to, to try and build that hunger. And, and you don't want to, you know, bust your gut and leave everyone, you know, feeling uh, tired and fatigued come championship time. But I still think this will be a, this will be a good game. Um, look for Claire to have something to prove after, yeah, being trounced by, by Cork the last time out. I mean, the margin of nine points uh, that Cork won by was actually sort of flattering on Clare. When you watched the game, there was some late junk time sort of scores. And um, yeah, it was quite flattering in the end uh, for Clare, all things considered. It was like a bit of a training drill for large stretches of that with for Cork as they just sort of ran through the lines, um, if there were lines to even run through. Uh, so that's at 12.45 a.m. on Monday for us in Australia, Clare and Wexford. Then there's two games at 2 o'clock p.m. in Ireland, 1 a.m. Monday morning for us. Offley, uh, off that hammering to Galway, traveling to take on Cork, who are absolutely raring to go. I, th I, I mean, I would expect to see a feisty effort from Offley. I don't know what we're going to see from Cork. I mean, you would, you would assume they'll come out, they will presumably have a win, I don't know if you see them go as hell for leather as they did against Clare. Um, I feel like that was sort of that was the one that got that got them back in an emotional and psychological rhythm. So 
I don't know. They might put a more circumspect sort of performance together, try and just get the two points and move on. But you've got to be careful too when you're playing a team like Offley who will be desperate for a scalp, um, particularly after getting trounced by Galway in week one. Uh, so that one's at one o'clock. Also at one o'clock, this one not on GAA go is Waterford and Leash. So Waterford having had the tie in week one, Leash, the tight loss to Tipperary in week one. Uh, just the four points separated Tip and Leash in that game. So I think Cheddar Plunkett's men in Leash will be looking, I mean, they'll be looking to win and take scalps. They don't, they don't want to uh, be in one of those relegation playoff spots at the bottom of the league. And with Antrim looking pretty good, Leash are going to need to try and find two points somewhere else so that when they take on Antrim, um, you know, that you sort of, you've already got two points banked, you know, so so you can not necessarily afford to lose, but it makes it a little easier if you've already got a win um, to go in and uh, knowing that pretty much if you can beat Antrim in that game, you're, you're going to seal your own fate to stay up. But uh, this will be an interesting one. Waterford... I think they played really well in patches against Dublin. It was a hard-fought game, as we said. There's, you know, over over 10 yellow cards. There was two reds and I think two black cards as well. So Dublin-Waterford was a really feisty physical affair. Um, you can't afford to sleep on, on a team like Leach who are looking to take scalps and, you know, in the same way that they almost got done by Dublin, Waterford are going to have to make sure they're on their game at least for large patches of this to make sure they get past Leash here as well. So that game also at 1 a.m. for us or 2 p.m. Irish time. Uh, so 1 a.m. Monday morning. Uh, for Aussie viewers, the last game of week two's hurling action uh, and the last game for Sunday is Tipperary v. Kilkenny. Uh, massive, massive rivalry matchup, Tip v. Kilkenny. Um, this one at 3.45 in the afternoon for Irish viewers and 2.45 a.m. on Monday morning. I won't be getting up to watch this one. I'll watch it on demand afterwards. Um, Tipperary v. Kilkenny. The two teams locked on uh, two points each at the top of the Group B table. Two teams that will be feeling like they've got bigger fish to fry, but Tipperary with a new um, coach too um, in... Uh, Bonner, I'm trying to think of his first name. Um, let me just Google this. I feel like it's Colin, Colin Bonner. Colm, Colm Bonner, um, the new Tipperary hurling coach. So, you know, there'll be players, you know, trying to solidify and earn their spot under the new head coach. He'll be trying to look and see what he's got in, in, in the team trying to implement his his sort of style and system and tactics and all that sort of thing. Kilkenny still under legendary uh, coach Brian Cody. Um, and uh, but they too they're they're a, they're a while since they won their last All-Ireland Championship. Tipperary last one in 2019. Um, trying to think when Kilkenny won one, maybe 2016. No, I think I feel like that was Galway. Anyway, um, it's a while between drinks for Kilkenny before they la since they last won the championship. So 
two teams that will be sort of tinkering around the league and working out what, what they want to do. I wouldn't expect this to be, um, you know, championship level for the whole game, but I feel like there's definitely going to be spells where they're all about it. And who knows, with a new coach like Colm Bonner in the driver's seat for Tipperary, maybe they want to lay down an early marker against the rivals uh, in Kilkenny and, and sort of make a statement, um, you know, in this rivalry. Who knows? I'm not sure. But both teams sort of just did enough to get over the line against um, their opponents last week. As we said, Kilkenny beating Antrim, Tipperary beating Leash uh, by three and four points respectively. Still always a fun game. One of the best uniform matchups in the GAA with Tipperary's blue jerseys with the gold stripe across the chest. And then you've got the... uh, I was going to say black. Yeah, it is black and gold. Uh, Black and orange? Black and gold? I think it's black and gold. Black and amber. That's probably how I would describe it. Black and amber stripes, vertical stripes of Kilkenny. It's a nice um, uniform clash. I always love these games. So I'll be definitely having a look at Tipperary v, v Kilkenny. I'm going to try and watch all of these games, if we're honest. Um, so that is your All-Ireland, sorry, your National Hurling League Week 2 um, lineup. I think the pick of the games, if I was to to choose, I'm going to say it's, I I think that day one, Saturday the 12th, or, you know, early Sunday morning for us on the 13th, Antrim v Dublin, I reckon that has a sneaky opportunity to be the best game of the round because they're both sides with a lot to prove. Dublin is really trying to build here and sort of create something special with their hurling team. Antrim, likewise, they were plucky last year. As I said, I'm sure it was Antrim-Wexford last year that ended in a tie, um, which was an absolute cracker of a game. And I think Antrim-Dublin both have lots to prove this year. They're both going to be hungry. Like I was talking about, Leash wanting a scalp over Waterford to ensure that they haul themselves, you know, a game out of the relegation playoff spots Antrim will be thinking the same. Hey, if we can go in and, you know, if we can beat Dublin here, you know, all we're going to have to do is win that game against Leash. We're on four points and not going into a relegation playoff. So I think that is going to be massive. I think that'll be a massive game. There's a lot of motivation for both teams, I think, for Antrim and Dublin. Antrim will be just going hell for leather, I reckon. And, you know, Dublin the same. They wanted to lay down early markers. And I think I think Antrim-Dublin has a chance to be the game of the round. There's interesting things to come out of Limerick and Galway. Um, as we said, you know, Limerick will always cop everyone's best shot and they'll be also looking to improve themselves so Limerick Galway is interesting um, and then just on a personal note Tipperary Kilkenny is always fun but yeah I'd, I'd say that Saturday those games Antrim Dublin would be my pick for game of the week um, so definitely make sure you try and try and watch that one Antrim v Dublin I'm calling it I reckon that's going to be the most exciting game of the weekend and the hardest fought there you go that's my that's my pick. Um, with that said, with that wrapped up, let's have a look at this David and Goliath battle um, between Bally Gunner from Waterford and Bally Hale Shamrocks of Kilkenny. Um, t- talking about nice uniform matchups, you know, Bally Gunner in the black and red hoops 
and Ballyhale Shamrocks in the green and white. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to wear all white with a green stripe across the chest. Or they've all, I've also seen ones where they've got a green uniform with a white stripe across the chest. Either way, black and red v white and green is, is a sexy, sexy uniform matchup. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And i tell you what else I like a lot. Um, and you see it more in the, the club hurling than, than the inter-county level. Love the hoops. Love seeing teams wear the, the horizontal stripes um, on the jersey. Um, Bally Gunners is a really nice one with the black and red stripes. And I've seen a few others. There's, I'm trying to think who it is. It has a sort of a maroon and white stripe or, or burgundy and white uh, hoops, which is really nice. But I, I love the hoops. I think it's a classic look. Um, always think, you know, Celtic, the Geelong Cats. Um, yeah, the, the, the hoops are great. So good uniform matchup between the uh, Bally Hell Shamrocks and Bally Gunner. So let's have a look at this. Um, we'll start with a bit of history. So uh, for those of you, I guess, and myself, because to set the table, I'm excited about this game, not because I've been closely following the, the All-Ireland you know, Senior Club Hurling um, Championship, but because I love those big sporting events. I think it's an, a really Aussie thing where we love a sporting event. We love seeing a spectacle. And, uh, you know, I'm always looking to add new, you know, novel, I guess, spectacles to my, um, to my roster of sporting events on the calendar. And, and I'll be following the the Senior Club Hurling Championship more closely um, in the 2022 season, I've got to say, because it's kind of captivated my imagination. So basically, um, you know, you've got your your provinces, um, you know, in Ireland, and you you have, you know, sort of... It breaks down from, from provinces into counties and then into your club level. Is, is my understanding. And to win the All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship, you've got to win your way out of your county, win your way out of your province into the final four um, uh, of the semifinals and then into the, 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 the big one, into the All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship final. So there's a lot of levels to sort of get to. You know, you've got to escape from, you know, your own county to start with. Then you've got to work your way out of your, you know, your provincial um, the your provincial game as well. So there's, there's sort of a lot of layers to it. Um, and so to me, it's got a little bit of that FA Cup kind of vibe in a way that it's, you know, all these knockout tournaments and things like that. Um, I love it because it's a beautiful mess. Um, I've been reading... The Hurlers, um, oh, the author's name escapes me, but um, uh, it's a great book and it goes back to um, Paul Rouse. Um, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what I would say it's um, It recounts the making of sort of modern hurling, the, the first All-Ireland Championship and and it's great. It's a friggin' great read and, you know, set in the late 1800s and, you know, it's talking about the, the sort of the formation of the GAA and 
And, you know, this is the sort of stuff they're talking about, you know, the different clubs that form and compete to try and win, you know, Galway or, you know, win their way out of Tipperary or whatever and, you know, compete in that first All-Ireland Championship. And there's just awesome stories about, you know, um, you know, counties and teams that, you know, had only ever played football and then on the day they're like, oh, well, we'll pick up the Hurley and we'll, we'll play Hurling. And then you've got teams, you know, coming out of the countryside, you know, where, you know, the only way to tell them, you know, they, they're all wearing bare feet while they hurl and they've got no matching uniforms except they all wear the same kind of cloth cap. That's the only way to tell that they're a team. And it's just this beautiful, majestic mix of sort of sports mythos, I guess. And it just captures my imagination. There's something about hurling that almost makes me think of, you know, Quidditch in Harry Potter. It's otherworldly to me. And it, I don't know, for some reason, like, it really, it strikes a chord with me, this sport. The moment I watched it, I was like, this was like a sport I was meant to play. Not because I'm saying I'd be particularly good at it, but it's just like, it appeals to all the things um, that are important to me in a sport. You know, aggressive movement of the ball, you know, um, you know, an aggressiveness to try and score, played at pace, played with sort of flair and, and skill and, and speed and, and bravery and all those things that I love about a sport. There's no... You know, there's no diving, there's no play acting, you know, for the most part. There's no, you know, it's not conservative, it's not dour, it's thrilling. You know, it's played on the ground, it's played in the air, uh, played by hand, played by foot at times. You know, it it just combines some of the things I most, most love about team athletics, team sports. And it's really funny, um, you know, talking with my aunt, Joe, who's probably listening to this podcast, I hope so. Hey, Joey. Um, and we're talking about, you know, the reason I chose Tipperary as my team. And I remember my grandma, uh, my great-grandmother, um, Cecilia Corcoran, um, her maiden name, um, Corcoran. And I chose Tipperary as my county because I remember Gran singing It's a Long Way to Tipperary. Um and that has stuck with me my whole life. I remember her singing that song and I was kind of yeah, broadly aware that we had some relatives um, in Tipperary um, distantly and yeah, we're talking with Joe the other day and you know, she said, do you know you have relatives that came out of Templemore Tipperary and I didn't realize it was that specific of, of, you know, that came out of Temple Moor in Tipperary. Um, but it's so cool. And it's weird how, um, you know, one part of your genetics, I guess, speaks so strongly to you. Like I said, like the minute I watched hurling, it felt familiar to me. It felt, and, and I know that sounds kooky, but it did. It, it felt like a sport that I was meant to play, um, I wish I'd discovered it, you know, earlier. Um, and it's a shame it's not played all around the world. It's a shame it's not played frequently here in Australia. But there was, uh, yeah, there's something about it that speaks to me. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I've just, I guess, becoming more and more intoxicated with it. And, and I just love it. I said to my partner Talia the other day, it's weird. Like I've never been to Ireland, but 
I can tell what some of these places it's it sounds silly, but smell like. You know, when I see, you know, guys lining up to to take a you know free in or whatever and you can just i can smell what that grass smells like um from all the way over here i can i can smell what that breeze smells like and it is weird and it sounds kooky but um there's something that's very appealing to me about all the 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 culture of the sport and it just makes a lot of sense to me and it's so awesome to be able to watch it but all of that to say um the club championship, you know, really has captured my imagination, um, and I and I can't wait to watch this this big game between Valley Gunner and Bally Hale. And for context, Valley Gunner have won twenty Waterford titles. They've won the Munster Provincial title three times. They have never won the All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship. They've never made it to the big game. The closest they got was a semi-final uh, in 2018-2019 where they met the Ballyhale Shamrocks and the and Ballyhale beat them that day 115 to 13 points. Uh, so these two have met in recent history. Um, but Ballygunner have never advanced to the final. On the opposite side of the table, Bale have fighting out of the green and white corner. Uh, Ballyhale have 19 Kilkenny uh, county titles. They've won 11 Leinster provincial titles. And they have won eight All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championship titles. The most of any team. And if they win this weekend, it will be their ninth and their third championship in a row after winning in 2019 and 2020. So if they win the 2021 Senior Club Hurling Championship, this will be their third in a row and their ninth overall. They've won it in 1981, 1984, 1990, 2007, 2010, 2015, 2019, and 2020. Um, in 2019, they beat St. Thomas's of Galway, uh, who they also beat in this year's semi-final, 228 to 211, so they won by 17 points. They beat Borisalee of Tipperary 18 to 15 last year to win by three points. Um, and then on the other side, you've got Ballygunner, who have never been there, who have never been to this this big stage. So, as if the tournament itself wasn't enough to sort of captivate the imagination and inspire sort of the fantasy and the myth. You've also got two opponents who are contrasting in their experience and the sort of the pageantry of their history, you know, with Bally Gunner having never won one and, and the Shamrocks, Bally Hale, having won eight and the last two in a row. I mean, this really is David and Goliath, favorite versus underdog, all of that sort of stuff. So... I'm going to go back and I want to watch the semi-final games that these two teams played. Um, but but let me sort of outline the path for you. Um, I was looking on Wikipedia for um, sort of the, you know, how they emerged and all that sort of thing. And I could sort of track back about four games coherently. So Bally Gunner's path um, through Munster was they beat Bally A uh, 320-2-6. They beat Lochmore Castellani 211 
to 12 points. And they beat Kilmallock 320 to 112. Um, that was the three games they had won in, in the Munster um, provincial part of things to advance to the semi-final, um, where they defeated Slotnail of Derry uh, 219 to 117. Uh, so that was the semi-final win for Ballygunner. So on the path to, to the final here, uh, in those four games, they've scored 10 goals, 70 points for a total of 100 points. And they've allowed just four goals, 47 points, 59 in total. So they're at plus 41 points differential, um, Ballygunner. So they've, they've done well and they've scored goals consistently and held teams um, you know, really, really closely as well. Now, on the other side, Ballyhale Shamrocks uh, in the Leinster Provincial Championship side of things. They beat Mount Leinster Rangers 22 to 16. The next game, they beat St. Reiner's 324 to 218 in extra time. I believe again it was a last minute sort of a late score, I think, to Ballygunner to tie it to take it to extra time. And then they ran uh, ran riot all over St. Reiner's in the um in the extra time period. They flogged Clough Balacolla. Uh, 623 to 14 points. And then in the All-Ireland semi-final, they claimed victory over St. Thomas's of Galway by a single point with that last second TJ Reid goal um, to win 215 to 20 points. Uh, on the path, they have scored 11 goals, 84. So this is, again, the Provincial Championship Games plus semi-final. 11 goals, 84 points for a total of 117. They've allowed just two goals and 68 points for a total of 74 points allowed. They're at plus 43 points differential. This is a tough one to think about. As I said, I don't have an intimate knowledge of all these teams, but... You would think going in, there's two ways this could go for Ballygunner. You've never been there, and so the situation overawes you against a team that has been there so frequently. Or you go in and you almost have a naivety about the enormity of the occasion and you play loose and free because you aren't the team that's going for three in a row. You aren't the team that should win. No one's expecting Ballygunner to win. It should be Ballyhale Shamrocks. So I think there's two ways it can go for Ballygunner. Either you know, you're know you free of inhibition because you don't really, um, you're not pressured by the moment because you don't feel that you're the team that's you know cursed with you know the, the title of, oh, that's the team that's supposed to win. You're going in as the, you know, as the massive underdog against the powerhouse Ballyhale Shamrocks. Or... You go in saying, oh shit, we are in the All-Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championships, the first time we've ever been. We could be the first team, and we've got to play the Bally Hale, and they're amazing, and oh my God, and the pressure gets too much. That's the other way it goes. I think there's two ways the psychology for Bally Gunner um, might go. That's just my prediction. And again, I'm speaking in broad terms because I don't know... Um, enough about the individual players to give you that kind of analysis, but I can only speak to the sort of the narrative, the general narrative I'm looking at. And as Bally Hale, 
there's been some interesting storylines. You know, they've had some extra lives this year. You know, in the in the overtime win, the extra time win against St. Rhinos. Um, you know, the the last gasp winner against St. Thomas's. Uh, I'm sure it was TJ Reed who said, you know, we've 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 had a lot of extra lives. Um, they've got to run out at some point. But is that what ha- is that what's happening? Their extra lives, or is this just a championship team that knows how to win? in big spots that knows how to pull it out of the fire. Um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, like this is a dynasty. This is, a, this is very much a dynasty of, 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 um, you know, club hurling. They've won more than anyone else has ever won in terms of their nine all Ireland senior club hurling titles. Do you go in as that feeling like, well, we're comfortable. We've been here before. We've done this, you know, so many times we've done it three times in the last, you know, we, we've been here. This is our third time in the last three years and we've done it twice more, you know, in the last, you know, since 2010. Is that how you go into it? Feeling comfortable, relaxed. This is our sort of territory. We know what we have to do and if we play our best, we'll win. Or is there that that curse of um, we could win it three times in a row? I think that would be the most. I, when I was having a bit of research about it, I'm sure that I, I'm sure I didn't see any other team that's ever won it three consecutive times. So there's the, there's the weight of history. Can you be the first team and, and really cement yourself? I mean, I think it would be hard to argue against the fact that Ballyhale Shamrocks, this team is the greatest club hurling team of all time. And I know I could be speaking out of my ass, but you know, having listened to various people on other podcasts, how do you argue against? They've won nine. They've won. uh, Sorry, they've won eight. They've won eight All Ireland Senior Club Hurling Championships, and they're going for their third in a row. I think it's hard to argue that this team, you know, hasn't been or, or isn't the greatest club hurling team even to someone as naive to the intricacies of the history of the sport as me. So again, it's it's an interesting... I think the best thing would be is both teams feel, you know, comfortable and we have a ripper game and may the best team win. That's what I want. I want to see great performance from both teams. I, I'd be disappointed if I went in and saw one team get absolutely demolished. You know, I think that would... You don't, you don't even when you want the underdog to win, for instance, you don't want to see the favorite get humiliated either because that's not as much fun as, as watching an underdog emerge with a, you know, glorious last minute point or something to, to win or, um, or that sort of thing. So I'll definitely be watching this. I don't really know who I'm going for. I'm just going to be watching it and enjoying it. I mean, it'd be cool to see Bally Gunner win, but I also like watching history when I watch sports. So I could watch the first team to win you know, three in a row, I could watch the team win their ninth of all time. Like that's pretty cool as well, but it would be pretty amazing to see Bally Gunner uh, defy the odds and, and, and beat Bally Hale as well. So there you go. That's my thoughts on that. I've also got a um, Fitzgibbon cup uh, college hurling match. I want to watch. Um, so I'm probably going to go do that while I eat my lunch. Um, <laughs> they're on YouTube for, for free. So that's, that's quite good. I've enjoyed, I think I watched IT Carlo versus uh, UCD, UDC, 
I can't remember all the acronyms. But anyway, uh, I'm going to be back in your ear holes. No doubt I'll do a recap of all the hurling action from the weekend um, early next week after I've had a chance to watch all the games and digest and, and have a think about it all. And um, I'll try and get in your ears in the next couple of days with a Super Bowl preview, the Bengals taking on the LA Rams. Um, speaking about a team that should win, the LA Rams should win, but the Bengals, they keep beating the teams that should win. They came back from 21-3 to down against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City at Arrowhead. What is going on? Uh, Joe Burrow, just an ice-cold killer, but can his offensive line protect him long enough against Aaron Donald and Von Miller and company? Can Jamar Chase and his wide receivers get loose against the coverage from the likes of Jalen Ramsey? That is a big question. Can the Bengals' defense get some pressure on Matt Stafford? I think they can. I think that part of the equation is possible. I think the Bengals' defense can do well. Anyway, this is all for the Super Bowl preview. Don't ruin your content now, Jake. I'll get back in your ears with that. Going to have Minnesota Jack on, Jack Johnson, to talk about um, the Minnesota Vikings hiring of new GM, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and the new head coach, or the presumed head coach, Kevin O'Connell, from the aforementioned Rams, and what that means. The Vikings going with uh, an innovative, different kind of background uh, general manager, a dude who's, I believe, cut his teeth on Wall Street before moving into the NFL, Um, I think with the San Francisco 49ers and perhaps other organizations, the Cleveland Browns, has sort of an analytical background. They also go and hire, or they're presumed to hire, Kevin O'Connell, who's a young, sort of innovative, offensive mind. Um, from Sean McVay's team at the at the Rams, over a guy like NFL sort of NFL and college football royalty in in Jim Harbaugh, what does that mean? What does that new approach mean for the Vikings, where you're going for you know a different look? You're saying no to the experience and yes to a new future. So we're going to talk all about that. We'll probably ask Jack about the Kirk Cousins situation. They're paying him over $40 million this year. How does that work from an analytics point of view? If you've got a $210 million salary cap and a fifth of it is going on one player um, and you've got other areas perhaps to address, how do you moneyball that and work it out? So we'll talk all of that and more. Oh my God, so much stuff to talk about on the Jake Botel Sports Experience. Thanks so much for listening, guys. You have been awesome. Be well.